You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. And it's brought to you by Ion Blue, providing 100% renewable carbon neutral energy for your electric vehicle. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson, I'm the founder and editor of The Driven and also its associated websites, reneweconomy.com and One Step Off The Grid. Now we've been talking a lot lately about electric cars, electric motorbikes, um, charging networks. There's another big thing to think about in the electrification of transport and that is public transport and particularly buses in particular. Joining me today is Greg Balkins. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Transit Systems, um, which is a subsidiary of Kelsium, which I think most people would remember as C-Link, and which has um, large contracts as well dealing with the public transport infrastructure for um, state governments. Greg, um, thanks for joining us. Yeah, hi, Charles. So tell me, did I get that description right roughly about what it is that Transit Systems do? Yeah, pretty much. So we are the largest uh, operator of buses in Australia. Uh, we operate 3,200 buses. Uh, most of that uh, is with government contracts in most of the largest cities in Australia. Uh, we also operate under the Kelsian brand uh, and Sealink, uh, about 118 ferries. So we, uh, we're a very big operator, uh, very much an Australian operator with ASX 200 listed company as well. So it's great to be Australia, uh, a company working in Australia. And when did it occur to you or your company that we're all going electric? Well, our journey started in 2013 when we acquired uh, part of First Grip in London. And a part of that uh, acquisition was a um, hydrogen fuel cell bus trial, uh, eight buses. Um, that, that's sort of where we started. Uh, and we operated those buses in central London for you know, seven or eight years. So very experienced in new technology. So we took those learnings into our Australian context and as part of our contract with the Transport for New South Wales, um, we were required to introduce a, a four-bus electric vehicle trial, or pilot as we called it. Um, and we started working on that um, introduction in sort of mid to late 2018, with a commencement date on the 1st of July 2019. So it's, um, it was very, very different uh, times in those days. That, this is the first time that uh, electric buses were being introduced at any sort of scale. So, uh, you know, we, we just really had great voids in our knowledge. Uh, the only operating EVs in Australia then of any sort of number were the electric buses you'd see at Sydney Airport and Brisbane Airport. So, you know, we were going from a point of knowing very little about electric buses and how they work in Australia to, to now being the largest operator of electric buses with now 55. Uh, at the one depot in Sydney. So it's been a great journey, but happy to take you through the, some of the challenges with procuring the buses and, and also the um, depot electrification, which in, in itself is generally very much underestimated. Yeah, we'd love to get into those details. So you started off, um, and this is all at the Leichhardt depot right now, is that right? Yeah, just um, in the inner, inner western suburbs of Sydney, for those people who know Leichhardt. Yeah, we chose Leichhardt because it was probably the newest uh, depot in Sydney at the time. It was built in 2007, very, very large depot, very state-of-the-art. So we figured if we we're going to put a, an electrification project in, we'd, we'd start at something we thought was not sort of an ex-tram depot or, or, work, or workshop. So 
That's where it started there, and we also wanted to test it in a uh, very heavy, high-trafficked area through Leichhardt, Lilyfield, the CBD of Sydney. So it made a lot of sense to test these vehicles in a very different operating environment mm. to what they would have been in uh, at the airport. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've been on the bus to and from Leichhardt because I used to live in the inner west, so I know, I know those routes quite well. Um, when you started out with four buses, did you choose the shortest routes at the start just to sort of, just for safety? Yeah, well, it's probably a word you'll hear a lot, of, a lot uh, range anxiety. Uh, and that was really something that was a great concern to us. Uh, you know, we knew that they worked well on the tarmac and, and uh, car park shuttles. We didn't know how they were going to work in busy Sydney uh, city streets, um, how far they would go before they stopped. If they did stop, what do we do? How embarrassing it is that it happened on the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the whole city comes to gridlock. So we all were very cautious. Um, we selected routes that were close to Leichhardt. Um, uh, that way, if we needed to retrieve them, we could. But after about four weeks, we realised that these buses were exceeding all expectations. Uh, we started testing them on other routes, uh, training more drivers, and now, during the first 12 months or so, they were operating on all of our routes out of Leichhardt. So what was the longest route then? Uh, generally from Leichhardt to um, uh, Bondi, Route 389. Right. And did a bus ever run out of battery? Did you have any embarrassment or what? Oh, uh, no, we, we, uh, we selected the buses and we trained our drivers and mechanics and we also put in some telematics which were fantastic. Um, I can go on my phone, our operations people can go onto the TV screens in the depot and they'd see exactly what the battery temperatures are, what the speed of the bus has been, how much energy is left, um, and they can make judgment calls on how long they can leave buses out there. Um, and then the other thing we thought was really interesting, we thought about five to six hours to charge a bus. Uh, we were finding that over the last three years, it's about 2.9 hours. So it changed the whole operating dynamics from being overnight charging about five or six hours to be able to charge these buses in the middle of the day. Yeah. So, so, so why, um, why, why is that? Um, why has the battery charging time been so shorter than you thought? Yeah, it's, a, it's the nature of the operation really. Uh, because there's so much stop-start, which is generally a bit of an aggravation to everyone, um, it actually regenerates the battery. So we pick up about 34% uh, recharging through the, um, through the braking system. And we also thought these buses might go out for 10, 12 hours, might do 150 kilometres. Uh, but they're going out now regularly and doing well over 200 kilometres. They're coming back to the depot with 30, 40, 50% charge left. Um, and uh, we see them now very much as being a, a normal bus. We, all of our drivers at Leichhardt, the 300 or so, have all been trained. Um, Passengers love them, our drivers love them, our engineers have got smiles on their faces because they're working with state-of-the-art technology and, and going home with clean hands. Yeah, yeah, going home with clean hands, there you go. Hey, you didn't answer that actual first question about whether you did actually have um, any, any one of them run out of, um, out of, out of charge, but, but I guess it sort of begs the question is that I've seen lots of fossil fuel buses, diesel buses, sort of sitting by the side of the road because something's happened that's broken down. I mean, why are we sort of embarrassed about an electric bus possibly breaking down and not working? <laughs> we shouldn't be any more embarrassed about that than we should be with a, with a diesel bus, I suppose. 
Yeah, we operate about 800 bus, diesel buses and CNG buses in Sydney. So if one breaks down, it's not necessarily that obvious. But if you've got a bus that's got uh, uh, you know, zero emission, uh, enjoy ah, the ride right. on the side of the road, sitting there, it's a bit more obvious. Yeah, yeah. But the good news is that they've never broken down because of their electrical propulsion systems. Um, if, if there was a failure, it could be anything else to do with the bus, the steering, the brakes, uh, passenger amenities. So there's a, most of the bus is still the bus. Yeah, yeah. And, and so how big is the battery in these buses? Uh, the 328 kilowatt hours. Okay, that's a, that's a very big battery. And what sort of facility do you need at the Leichhardt depot to actually charge that? I mean, at the moment, we started off with four buses. I think you, you either already have or you are ramping up to 50. Is that right? It was another story. Uh, we, we didn't know what to do, how to charge these buses back in 2018. We didn't know whether they'd be like four golf carts or whether it was like plugging in a toaster. Um, <laughs> We, we, we made a lot of mistakes and we thought, oh, well, we'd spend $100,000 on upgrading the depot. It probably cost about three times that. Right. And we could charge a maximum of eight buses. Uh, so we decided where we were going to put the buses and they happened to be at the other end of the depot, uh, which meant we had to upgrade the distribution boards, run significant cabling, establish the charging points. Uh, it was quite an exercise. Um, now, we've moved on now from those four buses. Uh, we bought a fifth one at the time uh, during the trial, so that gave us the unique opportunity to assess two different types of buses, both battery electric but both separate makers. And it became a bit like the Ford and Holden sort of. Uh, you ask a driver what they think of uh, a BYD Gamalang bus and they'll give you a view and ask someone else about a Utong and, and they have preferences for no reason other than the fact they like the particular bus. But now we've gone from uh, five buses, we then, uh, once the trial concluded, uh, Transport for New South Wales um, had the data they needed, the confidence they had in us. Uh, we quickly increased the fleet by another 10 uh, and then a really exciting project, which is just about to conclude, is the electrification of Leichhardt Depot. Uh, that included an extra 40 buses, uh, a large solar system on the roof, a 388 kilowatt, uh, a large stationary battery, a station, substation upgrade, and that'll take us, today we operate 55 electric buses. Wow, that's really impressive. And um, I'll probably go back to the expansion plans, but just back to the drivers. You said that the drivers sort of took to it um, reasonably well. I mean, what, what, what was it for getting, I mean, if you drive an electric car, you, I guess the, the thing that um, you know, strikes you most is that you don't go through gears, uh, you've got regenerative braking, some people like to go all the way to one pedal driving. Do you have those sort of same sort of options in the bus? And um, is it that much different to, to driving another bus? Well, when we first started, we were very concerned about the people driving the bus. We wanted to make sure that they had the right attitude and we asked for expressions of interest from drivers. Uh, then we selected those drivers based on their driving skills and their passenger skills. We wanted to give this the best opportunity to succeed. Um, and the drivers quickly adapted. It's very different driving characteristics. You're not sort of accelerating, heavy braking and, and, and that, doing that sort of driving style. It's very much 
you don't use the brakes as much. Uh, you sort of have to manage your acceleration a bit more um, astutely because they, these vehicles are very fast. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty scary when you're in an electric car, a little out of bus. Oh, well, if you want people to move further up the back, then I guess there's an easy way to do it now. Oh, exactly right. But uh, the drivers, some of them, you know, it took a bit longer, but uh, everyone now, I think uh, we get so many compliments. You know, in, a, in a bus operation, you don't always get many compliments, which is a shame, but uh, yeah, we're getting compliments from, from customers saying this is a great initiative, what the government's doing is fantastic. Uh, I used to get woken up every morning, you know, 5.30 in the morning as a diesel bus idled outside my house in Burwood Road or whatever it may be. Um, now, the bus is there, but I don't even know it's there. And uh, this is, it's odd because we even get com uh, comments from people saying, the buses are too quiet. Can you make them noisier? Can you can make them, it's like a V8, I suppose. You, when you haven't got a V8, you like the sound of it, though. Yeah, well, I guess so many people are probably sort of obsessed with their mo mobile phones now at the, at the bus stop. They're sort of waiting for that sound to, to turn up so they can look up and see what number it is. And if it's just... Yeah, people have suggested we should put um, bells on the buses just like they have on the trams, which uh, can a bit of counterintuitive. <laughs> so before we get on to sort of future plans and things like that, give us some of the sort of the detailed stats that you've got of, of the three years and some of the major conclusions that you sort of came to, because... Um, you know, I think you've got some stats there about passenger numbers and passenger kilometres and emission savings and stuff like that. Yeah, well, certainly. When, when we first started the trial, we had to do 200,000 kilometres for the four buses. Now, we delivered 220,000 kilometres in the first 12 months. And uh, as we got more and more confident with these buses, they, as I said so before, they go out and do everything a diesel or a CNG bus does. Uh, we've carried over 2 million passengers on the, on the electric fleet in Sydney. Uh, which is amazing. Uh, we've done over probably about 1.6 million kilometres. Uh, we've saved the emissions of 6,000 cars uh, in, that, in that period of time, that three years. Uh, and we're still learning so much and we're applying that knowledge to uh, future designs of buses. Um, you know, uh, do we need as large a battery supply because actually the buses are doing um, more work than what we thought they would. Um, and, and the data we're getting now uh, is, is really helpful. It's helping us design new fleet. It's helping us design depots. When you put a electric buses into depots, you really got to think about what sort of additional um, parking areas you need because when you put um, charging areas in, you tend to lose some, some bus parking. So um, it's, it's really is a learning exercise and we're, we're applying that in, we're introducing buses into, um, into Melbourne. Uh, we've got um, two hydrogen fuel cell buses getting ready to go into service. So technology is always changing and it's very hard sometimes to make a, a long-term commitment because technology has changed so much in three years. It makes us wonder what technology look like in another three years. Yeah, indeed. We're just going to take a short break to hear from um, our sponsor. We're all looking to do our part in reducing our impact on the planet and buying an electric vehicle is a huge step towards minimising your carbon footprint. However, most of the electricity that powers your electric vehicle comes from fossil fuels, contributing to climate change. Iron Blue is here to change that. We allow you to offset your car's electricity usage with clean and green renewable energy. Our low-cost subscription is quick and easy to set up. Iron Blue will calculate your vehicle's annual grid electricity usage via a simple questionnaire. Then, we will acquire an amount of Renewable Energy Certificates, or RECs, which represent this equivalent energy usage sourced from 100% renewable energy projects, such as solar and wind. 
This means your vehicle's use can now be completely carbon neutral and support a renewable energy future. At Iron Blue, we're excited that this future is not far away. But in the meantime, we are here to help. We're back now talking to Greg Belkin, the uh, Chief Operating Officer from Transit Systems. Uh, Greg, you talked about the design of the um, depots now to sort of accommodate electric buses and things like that. How quickly do you reckon we're going to get to the stage where we're designing a depot for only electric buses? I think it's very close. It's very hard and very costly to retrofit depots. Uh, as I said earlier, like our depots 2007, uh, it's probably one of the newest depots in, in Australia, I suppose, of that size. Um, we're looking at developing a depot in Melbourne. Uh, it will be designed from build to be able to uh, charge electric buses. Uh, it's, it's really got to be a partnership between ourselves as public transport operators and government. Uh, bus operators generally can't do that on their own. Costs, uh, depots are quite often owned by the state government or other parties. So, it's a matter of uh, trying to design what you think you're going to need with not, without knowing exactly what you're going to need. Mm. Are, you, are you presumably responsible for the purchase of the buses and your contracts with the various um, state governments? Uh, in New South Wales, uh, there is a procurement panel and, and uh, that goes through a very rigorous selection criteria with government on price. Uh, technical specifications and, uh, and the like. Okay. So, what can you tell us about the economics of electric buses? Then, um, I mean, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that it's probably in a state of flux because you know it's it's in transition phase. But um, I mean, is it competitive with fossil fuel buses? Will it be competitive with fossil fuel buses if it's not already? In simple dollar terms, you're probably looking at about, and these are only just rounded off. Uh, a, a diesel bus would be about $500,000, depending what market it is and what the specifications are. An uh, electric, battery electric bus, which is just a um, plug-in overnight uh, and charge type arrangement, would be roughly 50% more, so around about 750 ish uh, And a hydrogen fuel cell bus would be around the million mark. So a big investment, but uh, we're already seeing now with the cost of diesel going up, uh, that um, it's and, and the total cost of operation, I think, is a very, very much uh, not fully known yet, uh, because no one's had these buses for 20 years. But we are seeing, you know, what we believe is some very encouraging results as far as the cost of maintenance for the, uh, for the buses, uh, and the t and the um, servicing time is less. But the big, big um, benefit of electric buses, or you know, whether the hydrogen fuel cell as well is the amenity that it provides to the community, the quietness of operation, uh, not getting the same particulate matter, CO2s and all those other nasty things that come out of a, a, a diesel engine. Um, and I think it's, it's the future. Uh, we've just got to make sure we plan the grids and depots to accommodate future growth because it is a significant cost um, if you have to go and retrofit uh, sites. So tell us about electric, you've talked about battery electric buses and you've also mentioned hydrogen buses. Um, hydrogen versus electric, what, what's the difference? What's better? Or do they just suit different parts of the market? I think it's a little bit like the Beta VHS, for those who remember what video recorders were. Um, it's, we, we believe that some, some depots um, just won't be able to retrofit it for uh, battery elec uh, electric buses because they can't get the... Uh, electricity supply to such a height um, uh, 
of supply to be able to charge buses. Uh, so that's one of the impediments. The time of 2.9 hours in our context is really encouraging, but, but depending on the operating profile, it may take longer to charge the buses if they're battery electric. So the big difference is with a hydrogen bus. A hydrogen bus is an electric bus. All it's got is an onboard generator, which you could call a, a fuel cell. So when a battery bus comes in and it needs to be charged, you're hooking it up for 2.9 or more hours generally. A hydrogen bus can come in, can go up to a fueling station just like you do now with diesel or CNG. You can take a full complement of hydrogen, which might be about 30 kilograms, in under 10 minutes. And that bus can be back out on the road again. Uh, a hydrogen bus is very much a drop-in replacement for a diesel or CNG bus. It's the same operating characteristics, uh, same uh, range. Uh, the challenge you've got is that um, you know, hydrogen is a much more expensive product to deliver to the depot. Uh, you need to have um, fueling systems and you need to have safety systems. But it's a very, very safe um, propulsion gas. We, we've operated in London, as I said, for eight or so years. So where does Australia fit in in terms of the sort of the transition to um, electric public transport? I think certainly New South Wales is uh, leading, leading the charge, excuse the pun, <laughs> um, with electric buses uh, with 55. We've placed an order just recently uh, of another 50 electric buses and they will be built in Australia in Western Sydney, which is, which is great for the Australian built uh, country. Uh, and we will be placing another order within the next month or two for another 49 in Sydney. Uh, so in 18 months time, we'll be operating 154 battery electric buses. So I think um, the New South Wales government's got a plan to sort of um, electrify all 8,000 buses. Um, is that in the Sydney area? And is there a deadline for that? And can it be done? Uh, it's certainly, it's uh, very aspirational and uh, I commend the government on, on its vision. Uh, there's still very limited build capacity in Australia for battery electric buses. Uh, I think we need to have the industry uh, tool up, scale up to be able to meet the government's um, vision. The 8,000 buses uh, is, is probably the government contracted fleets, which is uh, all of them are private operators now. So there's a fair bit involved in that um, the ownership of the depots is very different. Uh, some are owned by state government, some are owned by uh, the bus operators themselves, some are owned by other parties. So it is a long-term vision. Uh, as I say, I really commend the New South Wales government on their actions, uh, but we really need the bus builders, the battery builders, uh, the componentry builders uh, to really tool up. And they need to have the confidence that the government's going to you know, place these orders. And it's like everything else, if, if the more you have of something being built, generally the per, per, per unit cost drops considerably. So the more of these buses we have, the cheaper they're going to be to buy, uh, and uh, it's a win for everyone. Yeah. And I would have thought also, the more you have, the more people are going to want them, particularly if you've got all those other side benefits, um, you know, no pollution, no noise pollution, no particulates and, um, and things like that, and uh, running costs as well. Hey, um, you mentioned at the start the Leichhardt Depot. How big is that? How many buses are there, um, you know, including petrol and diesel? Yeah, we've got six, 68 CNG buses and they're sort of quite advanced in their age, so they'll be sort of retired over the next few years. Um, we'd have about 170 diesel buses. 
So around about 235, and then as we're replacing the diesel buses with electric buses, obviously the, the that you know, balance is changing. So, so can, a bit, can a depot like that go fully electric? And if you've got 230, 250, well, it's probably going to be 300 buses by the time you're finished, um, can they all be electric? And, and what sort of size of electricity um, substation or battery or whatever it is you're going to need, um, can you do it? Yeah, it's, as I said, when we first started, we could only charge eight buses. Now we can charge 55. Now, we've got 42 bus charging ports now. So at one time we can charge 42 buses. Now with the nature of the um, charging profiles as they are now, um, three hours each, we can actually move those buses and charge them in the middle of the day, which we hadn't uh, contemplated first. And we can now sort of use those battery charging points, uh, bus charging points, two or three times a day with different fleets. So, we don't have to do much more at Leichhardt to be able to convert that depot to full electric. Right, right. And, and do buses do, is there any sort of um, op, op, op option to sort of do top-up charges, maybe at the end of the route before they turn back again and things like that, or is that a bit more too much infrastructure to put in at, at, at various points? Yeah, that's certainly a, a concept of, of pantograph charging at the end of route. The challenge we've got there is that uh, you need to have curbside space. Uh, yeah. Most people like buses, but they don't like bus stops at the front of their place. <laughs> uh, they're not in my backyard type thing. Uh, so no one really wants to see a pantograph hanging out over their mango tree. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what about electric ferries? Um, transit systems or, or, operate ferries as well. I presume it's the Sydney Harper ferries. Um, I might be wrong there, but um, can we go electric on those? I, I keep on seeing stories from um, Scandinavia and other places um, of electric ferries and things? Yeah, it's uh, really exciting. On Sydney Harbour you'd see uh, our fleet on Sydney Harbour is Captain Cook Cruises. Um, so that's uh, the most uh, prominent brand I suppose. Um, but we have been at the forefront of hydrogen fuel cell ferry development. Uh, we're working on a um, passenger ferry, 250 passenger, uh, for Gladstone. And uh, we're looking at all electric uh, bus uh, boats, I should say, uh, on the Brisbane River. We operate the Brisbane City Council uh, ferry network, so that's the city catch, as you might know. Uh, and we're looking at what we can do to um, hydrogen fuel cell uh, adaption to the city cats, and also electric battery for the smaller sort of cross river ferries. Hmm. Well, that's interesting stuff. Greg, coming back to, um, to to New South Wales and, and the Sydney region, I mean, how quickly do you reckon, you know, with all those issues that you talked about, about infrastructure and actually building the buses and things like that, I mean, how quickly do you think we can, if we want to be in a hurry, make that transition to a fully electric bus fleet? Well, it's, we've got, as I said earlier, we've placed an order for 50, another 49 to come, that's 99 buses, and, and they'll be at a depot not like that. But, it's, but in Sydney, there's other bus operators who are now uh, embracing uh, battery electric buses and, and their fleets are increasing all the time. Uh, so I think it's very quick to transition as a matter of it's a significant cost for government. Uh, I think the operators are very, very keen to see a transition. Um, and I think it's, uh, the technology is right now. If you said five years ago, a lot of range anxiety, we've proven uh, that is doable. And what really surprises me is that uh, listen to some of the very prominent commentators uh, who really 
uh, haven't really embraced what zero emission bus means, I don't think. Uh, it, a lot of them have come out to Leichhardt Depot and look at what we've done, because we can prove that these buses work in a Sydney environment, uh, and it's a win-win it's for everyone. So happy to show uh, you know, those commentators who might be a little bit sceptical exactly what we have been doing at Transit Systems. Who are these people and what are, and what are they complaining about? Oh, I'm sure once, once they come to Leichhardt and have a look, they won't be complaining. <laughs> Um, and just sort of finally, um, other states, um, how quickly are they moving or likely to move on this? I mean, I know, for, for instance, Western Australia um, raised a few eyebrows a couple of years ago, put in a big order for sort of um, diesel buses, has got a couple of those electric buses running around, but on a very, very small route. Are they kind of um, thinking, oh, this actually works and maybe we can accelerate that transition? And, and what are other states up to? Yeah, uh, the PTA in Western Australia is really now moving quite quickly. Uh, we operate a, um, a PTA contract in Joondala. Uh, we've taken delivery of the first two um, battery electric buses, I think it must have been about January this year, uh, for testing, and another two get delivered uh, in this month, we hope. So we'll have four electric buses operating on uh, government contracted services in Perth. Uh, we're talking regularly to the SA government about what we can do as far as, uh, we've got 800 buses in Adelaide and the same in Perth, and what we can do as far as hydrogen is concerned. As I mentioned earlier, um, we are pre-delivering uh, two hydrogen buses. They're at Smeaton Grange in, in Sydney at the moment, um, and they'll be ready to go into uh, testing uh, within the next two months. So um, Victoria also moving fairly quickly on zero emission bus trials. Uh, it's, it's a little bit disappointing from a bus operator's perspective, particularly ourselves, in that people are still talking about pilots, they're still talking about trials and tests. Uh, the technology's proven. Um, we're probably behind a, a lot of the world as far as uh, the fleet numbers, but we are getting there very quickly for the size of our country. I've just thought of another question too. What about long distance buses? What are the options there? Would they have to be, would they have to be hydrogen? Could there possibly be battery swap technology? Yeah, I don't think I'd see battery swap technology, but um, we've been working with uh, ARENA and uh, we're a member of the Australian Hydrogen Council. So we've been working with uh, key stakeholders for probably three years now uh, on what a hydrogen fuel cell transport network would look like. Um, the likes of a, a bus depot or a courier or a garbage truck depot lends itself very well to be a, um, a hydrogen fuel cell or battery electric um, transition. Because all you need for hydrogen is a, uh, a delivery through tube trailers, a compressor on site uh, and, a, and a refuelling system and all of a sudden you've got a, uh, a hydrogen fuel cell dispatch point. And all those buses go out in the, in the morning and they come back at night and all you need is one of all those things. Uh, when you start looking at a, a, a nationwide map and having to have hydrogen refuelling stations at key points, it becomes a very expensive uh, and very complex solution where buses are ideal to be able to fill that gap to really supercharge the hydrogen fuel cell industry to give us world leading capabilities uh, and our manufacturing could uh, could um, be some of the best in the world. And um, can you reassure us that um, all your hydrogen is green? Well this, we certainly are promoting uh, green hydrogen and that's where it will be. Um, we just see there might be a need to have a, a bit of a colour change as we go through uh, because it's one of those sort of chicken egg things is that um, 
hydrogen producers need to have volume to make it commercially viable uh, and operators need to have a competitive price for hydrogen to be competitive with what they're paying for diesel. So it's a really a circular argument of what, what do you have first? Do you have uh, buses that don't have hydrogen or hydrogen doesn't have buses? <laughs> I, yeah, I see. Okay, well, we, we'll get there in the end what, is what you're saying, but we might have to be a little bit blue on the way through. Oh, brown and blue and straight to green. Oh dear, oh, I hate the idea of brown, but there you go. Greg, um, it's been great talking to you. Uh, fascinating insights into the buses. And um, look, it's, um, it's, um, um, it's, it's a fantastic story. And um, thanks very much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. Thank you, Giles. Uh, we've been listening to Greg Balkins from Transit Systems. Um, that's the Driven Podcast for this week. Uh, do check out our recent episodes, our interview um, last week with the NRMA CEO, uh, Roland Lund, and before that, the launch of the Cooper Born EV in Australia, and we'll have more episodes coming up very soon. Bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by Ion Blue. Ion Blue provides 100% renewable, carbon-neutral energy for your electric vehicle. Many EVs are responsible for significant carbon emissions because Australia's grid is predominantly fossil fuel powered. But for as little as $6 a month, you can clean up your EV. Find out how. Go to ironblue.com.au.